Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. This is indeed the Wealth is in the Details podcast with your host, Peter Raskin. I'm Patrice Sikora. Today, we will revisit a topic that really is important for the small business owner. Now, Peter, you did a show on this topic, but it was more than three years ago. Episode 32. Can't believe three years ago was 32. But time flies, and I imagine your many new listeners since then never heard that one. And others may want a refresher. So talk to me about episode 32 and what has changed since then. Yeah, well, it was. It does feel like a long time ago. There's been a lot that's gone on since uh, since early 2020. The, the retirement rules haven't really changed that 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 much. Um, they, they, there's been some small changes which are important uh, for for participants and for 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 sponsors of, of plans. But I think the really the big difference for me is just it's a completely different environment uh, for for a lot of small businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, since since 2020. You know, back then uh, we were just starting uh, the pandemic. It was rearing its ugly head, and we had no idea what was ahead of us. And so it was really a different business environment, uh, a different world. And I, I think that that's the primary difference between then and now. I think now many, not all, but but many business owners are are really struggling to attract and, and retain employees. You know, especially their key employees, it's a, it's a real problem. And don't you see that? I, I I hear about it, and I do know people who are looking for work and they can't find it. So I don't know where the disconnect is there. Yeah, I, I think um, certainly it depends upon the industry. It, it's certainly uh, very much industry dependent. Right. Um, but but we're hearing that amongst a lot of service businesses that they just can't can't find help. And and it's just it's it's a, it seems to be a constant struggle for, for for a lot of small businesses. I think the the small business owner is also they they now see that they've always experienced it they've they've seen it before but but I think it's more tangible they, they see the risk in their own business. You know, for for many small business owners that that are building an asset that they might want at some point to sell, you know, in the future. I think they understand that the diversification of their overall family wealth is really important. And, you know, many of them are looking to set aside some assets in something different than than their business. Right. Not that they don't have confidence in their business. All that's good. But they're looking to diversify and they're looking to to be in an asset that's protected and can it can accumulate in a tax advantage way. And that's retirement plans. Uh, you know, m- many, many of our clients are, are service businesses, you know, doctors, lawyers, engineers, consultants, and they, they pay a business that, that pays them a high income, uh, but may have, you know, a limited value upon sale. Mm-hmm. It, it may have some value, but that's, they're, they're not selling it uh, for uh, the gazillions, <laughs> you know, know. Uh, it's just not happening. So these service providers and professionals are aware that they just need to save for a day that 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 will come when 
they might not be working or at least not working as hard. And, you know, that that day might happen when they're 50, 60, 70 or 80. And it may not be choice. It may not be by choice. You know, so health can get in the way and and also lifestyle gets in the way. So they they may at one point want to slow down or 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 exit. My experience is nevertheless is that they'll likely want income that goes beyond Social Security. And so these small business qualified retirement plans are, are a good alternative to attract and retain employees, but also for the business owner to accumulate personal assets. Peter, you said qualified retirement plan. Explain that, please. Yeah. So I, I just think it's an important uh, distinction. Let's start with these basics. You know, a qualified retirement plan refers to an employer sponsored plan, retirement plan that satisfies a lot of requirements in, from the Internal Revenue Code. And because of that, the plan sponsor and employees uh, receive tax deferred treatment. It's so it's tax advantaged. And so that's, that's what we mean by qualified retirement plan. And let me guess, there are two big categories here. You've got defined benefit pension plans and defined contribution plans. Exactly. Those are the those are the the, the big categories that, that I wanted Biggies, to discuss yeah. today. And I think it's just helpful to give our listeners just a sense of how these plans work. So a defined benefit plan is a a retirement plan for the benefit of of participants, meaning employees of the the company, in this strategy, in this kind of um, vehicle, what what we do is we take a look at their at an employee's income and their age, and the employer is making a promise to provide them a a pension income at their retirement age. So let's say sixty five or sixty seven. And there's a formula. So, so the the defined benefit pension plan may say that the employee will retire at 67, receiving 30, 40, 50 percent of their income, their yeah. of their last, you know, the the average of their last uh, three highest years, and they will receive that income for life. And so the 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 way that defined benefit plans are structured is we define the benefit that future benefit and then we need to fund we need the the plan sponsor needs to set aside monies each and every year so that there's a there is money in this pool that can be used to fund this retirement benefit at that participant's age Nobody gets a pension anymore, Peter. No one gets, very <laughs> few people get a pension. Absolutely the case. But I think it's important to know that for the small business owner, these are possible. There are advantages and certainly disadvantages of these pension plans. The big advantage of these pension plans for the small business, I'm not talking about the big mega company. Mm-hmm. Um, they all had comp- They all had pension plans. Most of them are not, don't have them anymore right. <laughs> or they're frozen. But the advantages for the small business owner is that the employer can needs to set aside very large contributions to provide that benefit for those older employees. Right. So the, you know, in order to fund something that the employees promised in 10, 15 years, the employer needs to sock away a lot of money each and every year. And, and so 
because of that, defined pen pension plans allow for very large contributions. And we're talking about in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. It, 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 so it can be very enriching. For younger employees, a defined benefit plan um, can also be advantageous, but the funding requirement is much, much mm -hmm lower because they've got many years before retirement. These employee funding limits are really very, very, very large within the defined benefit plan, much larger than defined contribution plans. And that tends to be the big advantage of those, what we call those DB plans. There are lots of disadvantages. Number one, funding is truly required. And so there's very little flexibility for the plan sponsor. If they got an older employee that's retiring in 10 years and they've designed a benefit around that, they need to fund it. The funding amounts are depending are dependent really on a couple of things out of the employer sponsor's uh, control. And, and that would be um, number one, interest rates in the, in the world that, that we live in as of that, that year. And then investment results from the previous year. If the investment uh, portfolio, the the pension plan is invested in stocks and bonds and and stocks and bonds do poorly that year the calculation from an actuary might suggest that the 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 funding requirement is much much larger in that year and if interest rates go down the actuary does a calculation using that lower interest rate meaning they're generating lower returns right. yeah. in the future and therefore they need to contribute more to the plan so the funding requirements are a little bit out of the employer sponsor's control. And the plan benefits and, and funding, while they can be increased and decreased, there's limited flexibility in making changes to that funding. Those are big disadvantages for a lot yeah. of employers. Another concern, especially for the small business owner, is the, the, that upon plan termination, which may ha might happen in the, in the future when the employer, the owner retires, there may be unknown costs at the very end because there may be an unfunded benefit that needs to be right. funded. Right. And so so that's, a, that's a potential cost. You also have slightly higher costs to administer, and that's due really to the actuarial calculations. That, that are required each and every year. These are government mandates. And, and lastly, the big, another, the last advantage that I just want to mention is employees don't necessarily understand how these pl plans work. <laughs> the, the employees get, get a, a, an annual statement that show, tells them what their benefit is, um, but oftentimes they don't see a, a dollar value there. There are plans, we call them cash balance plans that, that do provide that account balance. But for the most part, employees don't really understand how they work. And I've talked to many, many clients that, that have these plans and they just don't understand it. And I think there's something to be said for um, if you're the employer, you're, you're providing this benefit to attract and retain employees. And if, if they don't understand what they have, that's <laughs> not meeting that, that objective. Oh. Now, let me ask you a question because a number of years ago, we had some of the big corporations with the defined pension plans. They couldn't meet the plan needs, and it was the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation that stepped in, the, the federal uh, program, to cover. Now, do small business owners have that safety net? Oh, they do, yeah. Matter of okay. fact, they, they have to pay a premium for that each and every year. So yes, they, they have that safety net as well. You know, it's a limited benefit um, for Many rank and file employees, it, it would be covered, but for the highly compensated owners, for example, there there may be limited benefits there. I uh, got it. Okay. All right. So defined contribution plans. What are those? How do they work? 
Yeah, so it's really the the in a sense the opposite in the divine benefit plan. We're we're defining our contribution uh, by the benefit that's been promised in a defined contribution plan. We're defining your benefit is is determined by the contributions that are made to the plan each and every year and the investment earnings on those plan assets. So it's a big difference. It's it's really the reverse. But there's a lot of advantages to the defined contribution plans. Number one, there's great flexibility. So the employer really has discretion uh, in most of these defined contribution plans to, to stop most or or all contributions, depending upon how the plan is is designed. And a lot of small business owners really want that that flexibility. And I can I can certainly understand why. It's nice to know that there's not a required contribution each year. So there's discretion. An employee can elect, another advantage is an employee can elect or decline making contributions to the plan. An employee, a defined contribution plan can offer a salary deferral option for employees. You know, think of a 401k plan or or a 403b plan. They they offer they allow employees to make contributions on their own, for their own benefit. These are our participant contributions and because they're contributing, they have both an emotional interest in in the this asset, so they're really vested in it. And and technically, if they're making contributions, they own it, and that's right. great for employees. They like that. Makes you feel um, good. You've, you've it makes you something. Yeah, absolutely. You're saving for yourself, and uh, and there's it, it's really important, it's, it, and it's great to see your your money accumulate and grow. It feels good. Yeah, it doesn't feel good when markets decline and your account value goes down in value. And that's when uh, you don't look at it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, there, there's another advantage for defined contribution plans. Um, typically, there there's a little bit lower cost to administer than defined benefit plans. So lower lower cost to, to entry, basically. Uh, they're less complicated from that perspective. Another big advantage is the employees are all everyone's familiar with 401k plans and and profit sharing plans. They they're just used to them uh, in today's age. And most plans are structured with a record keeper, kind of a custodian of those assets that allows the employees to see the their their accounts daily online. Uh, they get quarterly statements typically. And as I mentioned earlier, the employee can, can control the investment accounts. They make those decisions. Given that flexibility, I think there are some disadvantages to both employer and employee, but they're, they're I think, Pretty fairly minor. Number one, employees, I, I see this as both an advantage and disadvantage. Employees direct their own investments. Now, the good news is employees can have control, but the bad news is, is they may not be very good investors. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. and that's a problem. If if an employee invests in, in something that's too high risk, the markets go down, their account value goes down, and then they sell and move into something with less risk. They basically take that loss. And, and that's a real problem for, for employees. There are, are solutions around that, but I think employees really need to either seek advice about how those invest are, are invested or choose balanced funds or target date funds uh, to avoid that, avoid that long-term kind of bad decision-making risk. 
I see that as a disadvantage. I'll put that in the disadvantage category. Yeah. Um, and, and the other disadvantage is for the really both the employee and the employer is that there are, are lower limits. So there are annual limits to how much a uh, how much can be contributed to benefit employees. And these defined contribution plans have lower limits than um, really defined benefit pension plans. And for those employees that really have a goal to make very large contributions, maybe the defined benefit plan, the pension plan may be better for them. Hmm. That's part of our conversation. That's it. And I love this explanation. I appreciate that. But now I'm going to test you. All right. I'm going to give you some small business examples. And I want you to tell me what kind of retirement plan might be appropriate. Okay. Sounds great. Here we go. The first one, an employer with two employees. The owner-employee, 55 years old, consultant, has a 30-year-old assistant earning $75,000. The owner, though, is currently making $500,000 a year and plans to retire at 65. She wants to save at least $100,000 per year, and she is confident she can do that. And she doesn't mind making some retirement contributions to benefit her employee. Go for it. Yeah, this is a, a perfect case for a defined benefit pension plan. And and these these situations don't come around, you know, every day, but we definitely see them a lot. Let's let's just run down wh- why this em- employer may mm-hmm. choose a defined benefit pension plan. Number 1, they can probably meet their saving objective with a defined benefit pension plan, but they will not meet their that saving objective, uh, saving objective with a defined contribution plan, a 401k profit sharing plan, just can't, it won't happen. And, and it sounds like this employee, this employer, is confident that she has the cash flow to commit to that level of savings, if not more, each and every year. Hmm. And that's that's a vital, a, a vital kind of check, check the box. I want to make sure. When, I, when we're talking to our, our clients, they're feeling like they have cash flow to meet this goal. And I think also, I want to make sure that this, this plan is going to be in place for at least five years. I, I think that's a safe bet. I think the, the IRS wants to make sure these are permanent plans and uh, they want don't want you know a plan set up for just a year or two, unless there are, are crazy circumstances, but it just raises a red flag with the IRS. I mean, so you really have to have a long-term commitment for it. Because the employee, not the owner, because the employee is, is young, not that 55 is old, the 30-year-old is younger than the 50-year-old, 55-year-old, the contributions to for that employee, that participant, are really relatively small because they've got so many years before they, they retire. And the contributions are relatively small compared to the hundred thousand dollar contribution that's that might be required. Uh, this contribution might be three, four, or five thousand dollars, and and that may be within. And I think the employer would will also like that there's a vesting a vesting schedule, so that that contribution that's made if that employee leaves or terminates after a year, two, or three, they won't be receiving all of their benefit. That, that's been contributed on their behalf. Okay. And, and the cost of administration for a plan of this size with the goal seems to me to be relatively small. I, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about that cost of administration. It's just a cost of doing business. It's a deductible business expense. Um, we're not talking about, you know, we're, we're talking about costs in the first year of, you know, three to four or $5,000 and then, you know, $2,500, $3,000 year, year after 
thereafter. So it seems reasonable based upon the deductions that that employer could could see in their in their high tax bracket. All right. And as you say, cost of doing business. Yeah, right. Hi, this is Catherine Broy from the Raskin Planning Group. Apologies for the interruption. Thanks so much for listening to Wealth is in the Details. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, please visit our website at www.raskinplanning.com. Look for the podcast's show notes and connect with us via social media. All right, let's switch it up a bit. Same 55-year-old, currently making in excess of 500000 but is less confident about the savings and the earnings, okay, capacity that she's got. She has a total of five employees, all under the age of 40, earning less than $100,000. What do you think? Yeah, so I, this may not work out perfectly, but but in a lot of cases, it, it, it does. Um, we've got some flexibility of design. But my thought would be this employer might want to take a look at a, a defined benefit pension plan mm-hmm. uh, and pair it with a 401k salary deferral plan. So a, a pension plan oh, can be paired right. with a defined contribution plan. Okay. And so I, I don't want to get into the into the weeds here, I, I, but I, I I do need to you know kind of describe that. So we got two separate plans, and, and for, for, I think most people are familiar with four hundred one k plans, but mm-hmm. but they are completely flexible. The owner can save up to thirty thousand dollars per year because she's over over age fifty. She can save over over thirty thousand dollars per per year into the four hundred one k piece of it, right. but she doesn't need to contribute. So this year she may very well want to contribute. She can, she can afford it, but but business turns against her, and she doesn't have that flexibility. She can turn the salary deferral contributions off, and the employee can continue to the employees can continue to make those salary deferral contributions if they want, but they don't need to. Got it. It's an option. It's an option. It's flexible. Right. There may be some um, some small contributions uh, that the employer will have to make for those participants that that do participate in the four hundred one k plan, um, but they're on the smaller side. So the big commitment has been reduced for that employer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if we design the defined benefit plan, now we're talking about the other plan that we we would implement. She, if she feels comfortable making a let's say $70,000 savings contribution to, to that plan and is confident that year in and year out, that's something she could do. She could reduce it a little bit if she needed to. Um, the plan allows it. And she could also maybe increase it if she needs to. But but the defined benefit plan can be designed with a lower benefit than the, the previous employer. So so we can make some some adjustments to that. So by doing two plans, she's got more flexibility than she had before. She's contributing a similar amount now, and because she has five other employees, I, I think she'll she'll definitely need to 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 feel comfortable making those smaller contributions for each each employee, both in the four hundred one k and and the pension plan. And as long as she's comfortable with do with that, I think she's she's going to be fine. It, mm-hmm. She also will have a vesting schedule on the on the defined benefit pension contributions. So. Overall, this plan would do a lot going a long way to helping this employer meet their personal objectives of saving, but also attract and retain, you know, valuable employees that are helping her make a lot of money. If you pair two plans like that, is, does the administration get complicated? 
as long as you've got both plans administered by one administrator, in, in these plans, you would hire an administrator. We call them a third-party administrator. And they do all the bookkeeping, the compliance work, the tax filings, the form filings that need to happen. And if you do, you've got one company doing it. It's not that complicated Okay. for the employer. Right, right. Okay. All right. I got another one for you. 50-year-old, 50-year-old dentist establishing a retirement plan. This dentist earns more than $400,000. She wants to work another 15 years if her health allows. Ideally, she wants to save in excess of $60,000 a year, but eh, wants some wiggle room there, some flexibility. Now, she has five employees, all earning less, all younger than 40, and she doesn't mind making small contributions to help them save. What what should she do? Yeah, so because that... that it sounds like flexibility is really important to this this sponsor. I'm going to recommend a 401k plan with profit sharing. And so oh. what that means, yeah, so what that means is is the the employer and all the participants can contribute to the 401k piece of it. Again, they can defer up to $30,000 if they're over age 50, $22,500 if they're um if they're younger than age 50 so that's the salary deferral piece mm-hmm. but they don't have to no one has to contribute to the 401k side if there are are profits at the end of the year if there's capacity for additional savings the employer can determine how much and can make contributions to the employee for the employee's benefit including herself at certain levels and, and this kind of profit sharing plan would have a, a an allocation schedule. We call it new comparability schedule. The profit sharing uh, contribution percentage amount is going to be based on, it's an actuarial calculation based upon their earnings, based upon their age, and based upon the group that they are in. Now, if you've got six employees in this example, you can have six different groupings of employees. So each employee can get a different allocation. So maybe she's got, you know, herself, maybe she wants the the, the most contribution, the the largest percentage. And maybe there's a couple of employees that are seem to be key to her that did a really good job that year. Mm -hmm. And she might want to put those into a a second group, maybe, but small, less of a contribution than than what she would receive. And then there, there may be a third group or a fourth group that would receive even lower contributions. And and then the, the employer allocates appropriately to each participant. Now, there's calculations that have to be made. There's, there's an actuary needs to be involved. Actually, it's not really an actuary, but there is an actuarial-like test that needs to happen that makes sure that the plan is in compliance. Uh, but this is a very flexible schedule. Uh, employer, the employer doesn't need to make a profit-sharing contribution. The employer, the employees don't need to make salary deferral contributions. The employer can change their allocations throughout the year as long as they're meeting that that test. And that that test is really going to be based upon demographics of the company. So, you know, as as the plan, as the employees change, 
some become older, some some new employees might be hired that are younger. This test can change. So it's not it's not the same each and every year, but it gives the employer tremendous flexibility. So I really like 401k plan with a new comparability profit sharing allocation for this this dentist that you've described. All right. It seems to me like with something like that, because there are so many you don't have tos, you really have to be, if you are an employee, you've got to be pretty committed to your own retirement savings. You've got to at least be putting something aside yourself. I, I think that's so key, Patrice, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. You know, it, both employees, you know, and an owner that working in the company is an employee. Right. Everyone needs to be concerned about their own personal planning. And I'll talk, you know, basically we start with planning for both yeah. the, the business owner and employees. What do you want to achieve? When do you want to achieve it? And that's vital. Yeah. Okay. Got another one for you. This time it's a 45-year-old landscaper, 10 employees, five full-time, five seasonal, limited savings capacity. He does want to save more for himself and he does want to offer something for his full-time employees. What do you think here? I, I think maybe two plans would be would be appropriate or one of two plans would be appropriate. Okay. Um, one would be you know just a, a traditional 401k plan. Um, it, 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 these you can set up 401k plans for for one for 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 one employee. So this would be a small company, but you, they could absolutely do it. There be tremendous flexibility. The employer could contribute up to twenty two thousand five hundred dollars per year into the plan. Plus, if when they turn age fifty, they can contribute in an, another seventy five hundred dollars. It's called a catch up contribution. So that would be beneficial. Um, really, their only commitment to to the employees is might be a four percent matching hmm. contribution. And so, if employee contributes, you know, a dollar, the employer will contribute a dollar up to five um, percent of compensation. And so that the match when we do the math is is four percent. There's a four percent matching employer commitment if empl if employees contribute at least five percent. Okay. Um, now that matching contribution is a hundred percent vested. But if the if the employer is comfortable with the cost of a 401k plan, again, it's not that much. They're comfortable with the matching. It, it seems to be like it might be a worthwhile uh, experience for them. They can also, at some point, if there are, are more profits, they can make discretionary profit sharing contributions. And the current limits there are $66,000 per participant. So that's the limit. They may not be able to make a $66,000 contribution for an employee that makes $50,000, mm -hmm. <laughs> but but there are the ability to make fairly significant contributions yeah. for the benefit of employees and, and the employer, plus an extra $7,500 catch-up. So you can get into your you know seventy over $70,000 per year for the employer if they want. So I think that's, that's a reasonable option for them. Another option, really kind of a starter plan, and there are not every company would be eligible for this, but a an employer, a small employer with with less than 100 employees can can, can establish a simple IRA. And a simple IRA is kind of really that it's it's basically a an IRA that allows employees to contribute a certain amount to the plan each year. Now, so it looks and feels a lot like a 401k plan, 
but it doesn't have the administrative costs. There's no tax filings. It's Uh a pre-approved document that the IRS has has established. Employees can contribute up to $15,500 per year. If they're under age 50, 50, if they're over age 50, they can contribute an additional $3,500 per year. So that that is a a nice feature. Um, Again, no cost. There's no profit sharing contributions. Okay. So I think that's an issue. There there would be a mandatory employer matching contribution in this case of 3% per year that's 100% vested. So it's a little bit less than the 401k plan. The big advantage of the simple no very little cost of administration. Uh the downside is it it doesn't allow the employees including the employer to contribute as much. Now I didn't mention this before, but uh, I think it's important to understand that those seasonal employees may never become eligible in the 401k plan. Right. Because they just may not meet the eligibility requirements. And they may not be eligible ever, ever meet those requirements in, in the simple IRA, but there's a greater likelihood that they would <laughs> with the simple IRA. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to go into the details of, of eligibility because it would just, we'd be here uh, another hour or two. <laughs> but suffice it to say that those seasonal employees may not become eligible um, for either plan. And you, I think you're able to be a little bit more restrictive with the 401k plan in my experience. Okay. Well, let's, let's move up to a, a bigger, bigger organization. Uh, how about something that's got 50 to 100 employees? Where do you go? Yeah. Yeah. So here, you know, I, I see right now, especially that those companies are, are really focusing on 401k plans with, with a matching contributions. Um, sometimes there'll be a safe Harbor plan, that's that, that's utilized and and that allows all employees to contribute up up as much as they want salary deferral without any testing requirements and if you don't have a safe harbor plan uh there could be testing highly compensated employees may not be able to contribute as much as they want mm-hmm. that's the problem especially if you've got a, a labor force that that may not you know, join the plan as as readily as as another labor force. You know, if you've got a, a highly paid empl- employees, technology people, maybe they're they're kind of more likely to contribute to a plan than a than a, a small manufacturing plant with with lower lower compensated employees. Uh, so that can be a problem for that for that employer. Mm-hmm. So so basically, a four hundred one k plan. Um, sometimes the the match is discretionary. Sometimes it's safe harbor. So so it's not. I'm seeing more and more adoption of automatic enrollment features. Yes. and and sometimes right. automatic escalation, meaning you know employees hired, and once they meet their eligibility requirements, they're automatically join the plan. They can opt out if they want. Right. And then automatically each year, their contributions, their salary deferral contributions increase. And so it increases the chance that the employee is going to be a participant and and will help help them really uh, meet their financial goals is more likely that they will. Over time, these features, automatic enrollment and automatic escalation, help with financial wellness for all employees. So that's what I see for the larger employees. They they don't get as much involved in profit sharing and defined benefit pension plans any longer. That's not what I see very very often. You know, what I like about this discussion, Peter, is the fact that you looked at it from the business owner, but also the non-business owner's point of view, the employee's point of view. And it really gives you a sense of, well, this is what my boss is thinking about. This is what they have to look at. And this is why 
that company may be offering a different plan from that company with different features. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope the non-business owner listener feels that that this discussion is helpful because, you know, I want to stress to all listeners that, that, you know, when you're considering any financial strategy, you start with your own objectives. As, as I said before, you you got to think about your, your own wants and needs. And, and so, you know, when we're talking about retirement planning or or investments, or estate planning, tax planning, we just start with where there are objectives. And the, in the situations I've described, you know, I've started with the employer's objectives, the, the plan sponsor. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to start. And in my opinion, we we start at the Raskin Planning Group with, with a comprehensive, comprehensive review of that business owners total picture you know their 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 overall goals and objectives both personal and business and and j- just like we do for for the employees you know for 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 non-business owners whether they're executives or individuals that are retired we start with what are you trying to achieve and when do you want to achieve it <laughs> you know it's that true to me it's, it's it's that easy and you know when our listeners do that we think you, they get the best results you're absolutely right but it's Sometimes it's getting people to sit down and think about those things that is the most difficult part. And with that in mind, how can listeners reach you, Peter, so you can get them to sit down and think about these things? The best way to reach us is through our our website. It's um, raskinplanning.com. And uh, there is our contact information, uh, links to, to to find out how to how to reach us, and, and lots of resources as well on the website. So I'm glad to chat with people that are are concerned about their retirement plan. Glad to chat with business owners looking to explore different different strategies for them. All right, and all you listeners out there, follow or subscribe to Peter's podcast. The wealth is in the details. This will mean you don't miss an episode, and share with others as well. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp., a broker-dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.